in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Raise your hand if you've got problems. Those of you who don't raise your hand, I want to talk to after church. Raise your hand if you have been worried, fearful. Raise your hand if you're concerned about your health and the health of others. Raise your hand if you have asked in the last two years, what in the world's going on here? Yes. Me too. This is why I love the season of epiphany. That's what we're in right now. Christmas and all of its joy to the world is kind of behind us, and we've taken the trees down, and they're sitting on the side of the road for the garbage men to pick up. And now we've got this weird little season right before the season of Lent, and Good Friday and Easter. And it's a wonderful season because throughout the season of Epiphany so far in the life of the church, we have seen so many unlikely things happen in our readings. Joseph and Mary see some unlikely guests show up in their home, shepherds and wise men. There's a teenage mother who was a virgin who gave birth. There's a confused father saying, I'm still not sure what's going on. We've heard about things like poorly planned weddings. And now today we hear about a man named Naaman, the Syrian general. We hear about a leper and a centurion. These are amazing things because I would dare say that all of these people that we've heard about in the Epiphany and we've heard about today would all be raising their hands just like you and me. We hear about these stories and we think, ah, we can't really relate to these people. They lived so long ago and they're very different than us. They were wearing burlap and sandals. That's true in many senses. They lived on a different side of the world. There were no screens to distract them, no internet. No nuclear warfare or invasion of China to worry, or Ukraine to be worried about. They didn't have refrigerators, and so they actually probably ate clean most of the time. And I dare say they did have messes, worries, and fears just like you and me. If you think COVID's bad, try on leprosy. Leprosy is a disease that is highly contagious, that if you simply touch somebody, you will get it, and the result is, is that your flesh begins to rot and fall off. A mask won't help you. There is a cure for it today, but back in Jesus' day and age and beyond that, there wasn't. And if you were a leper, you were taken out of your community. You were taken out of the town, and if somebody walked by you, you were to shout out, unclean, unclean, I am unclean. I bet there's some people who thought we should do that today. Bad <laughs> oh, enough. But this is what Naaman was facing. He's looking for help. He is a mighty general of the Syrian army. He is one who takes no orders except from the king himself. He is sick in a very bad way. And if he doesn't get help, he's not only going to find himself in a world of hurt, he's going to hurt more people. 
And generally, he's going to be miserable for the rest of his life. And so, too, we heard about another man who was a leper in our gospel reading, and then this centurion who needs help for his servant who is suffering. These are people who are struggling, people who are at the end of their ropes, people who are worried about the future, people who are saying, what in the world is going on here right now? Some have authority, and they're well regarded by others, and we don't know much about this leper that we hear about in the gospel. He has nothing. He's an outcast. Maybe at least the people who are well-to-do like Naaman and the centurion have a little bit more help on their side. Maybe a little more common in nature, but they too find themselves suffering. Suffering publicly with the same problems. And they need help that they cannot find. Help that they cannot find. That should resonate with you. It certainly slapped me across the face this week as I prepared to stand before you today. Help that you cannot find. I went to our Fort Wayne Seminary this past week for the symposia. And at the symposia, usually it's a time for pastors to get together and to talk and to talk about what's going on in their churches and to find encouragement and to listen to various scholars speak on various topics and to sort of encourage and lift you up and you go home feeling like, okay, I'm ready to, to face the things of the future. It was rather strange this time around because it seemed like things were hopeless. Discussions amongst pastors, amongst theologians, were looking at things all around us and saying, we don't know what to do. Not only with the pandemic, but also with the moral decay that we find in our communities and in our world. Many were saying to me, I've been out for 30 years as a pastor, and I never thought I would face some of the things that we're facing today. I had three very close friends of mine this past week resign from the ministry because of things like COVID and mental health and other things. It seems like at times that there is looking for help that we do not know where to turn. And so rather than driving back through the bleak Midwest thinking, I'm ready to go back to work, I too felt this strain of hopelessness, fear, questions about the future, not only my future, but the future here with all of you, looking at things and saying, what in the world is going on? Where do we look for answers? And then by God's pure and abundant grace, these texts were plopped into my lap last night. And I looked at these things, and I saw once again how God works through the unassuming and the least likely of people and situations. You find that with Naaman. Naaman is told by a girl who was an Israelite and who was a slave. She was captured during one of the wars. Can you imagine that? I mean, we have a hard time with children's slaves. And here she is, and she tells Naaman, there's a man in Israel, a prophet, he can heal you. 
And so what does Naaman do? He's all gussied up and he packs all of his clothes and empties his bank account and brings everything to present not only himself but the finest of the finest things to show that he himself should be worthy to receive all of this. And he finds nothing but a dead end. He goes to the king and the king says, I can't help you. What kind of letter is this? Do you want to start a war? And Elisha comes along and says, send him to me. But did you notice how Elisha responds to Naaman? He sends one of his servants out. Naaman felt like he deserved a personal audience with the prophet. Naaman wanted Elisha to come out and call upon the highest of heaven and say what you and I are probably thinking. Be healed. He wanted to purchase his healing from this man of Israel. And Elisha says, I'm going to send my servant out to speak the word. You'll notice he gives the cure, he gives the solution. Go and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. I've been to the Jordan River. You see some of these gullies that we have around here to take rainwater away? That's like the Jordan River. You go down to the Arkansas or the Maumelle River or whatever, and it's like big, mighty, powerful river, rushing waters, especially in a flood. You might look at those things. Yeah, it'd be great to go out on a boat, but you're not going to go over and get in the little viaduct down here that carries all of the rainwater off the streets. Why? We don't know what's in that water. That's dirty water. That's unclean water. And Naaman looks at this thing the same way. He looks at the Jordan River and says, how can anything good come out of the Jordan? Surely these other rivers outside of Damascus are much better, much cleaner. Why can't I just bathe in Evian or some other nice bottled water? But the word of God stands. And you'll notice that one of Naaman's servants finally looks at him and says, what have you got to lose? He says this is what's going to happen. Go and do it. Just try it. He does it and he is healed. The same thing goes with this leper that meets with Jesus. Jesus stops everything and he speaks to this leper, be clean. It's amazing because the leper does not approach Jesus and say, unclean, unclean, I am unclean. He simply asks Jesus to be healed, if he can do it or if he will do it. And Jesus does it. Jesus himself, by interacting with this leper, would probably be looked upon by others. Did he just touch him? Did he get too close to him? Has he been around a leper? Because I, he might be infectious as well. Maybe we should stay away from him because we're not so sure what Jesus is doing here. Sound familiar? All too well. And then the greatest of things that we see here today is a Roman centurion. Somebody who's not of the household of God, who's not an Israelite, who comes along and he simply looks at Jesus and says, please heal my servant. You and I might look at this again today and say, well, that was pretty nice. 
You have to understand, though, how servants were viewed by centurions. Ever watch any of these movies with centurions and the wars that they fight and so forth? Servants or slaves are expendable. One is sick, ah, we'll just go purchase some more. But this man says to Jesus, please heal my servant. Jesus is fine. I'll go there and I'll do it. Did you notice what the centurion says today? No. Speak the word and it will be done to my servant. Speak the word. That's what's so amazing about these texts here today, that in the midst of our fears and our questions and our trying out, what in the world is going on here? God is still pointing us back to the very normal, mundane things that he is doing here. You are all the baptized in the Christ. It was cute and fun to see the kids sit around the font here today, but you'll notice that even one of the youngest ones in here today said, that water is special. That water is special because just like Elisha said through the servant, go wash seven times, Jesus says, go and baptize all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as scripture says that by that baptism, by that washing and regeneration, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are connected to Jesus' death and resurrection. You're buried with him and you're risen from the dead with him. You are given a new lease on life. You are given a clean conscience. God now says through that font that you are holy, innocent, righteous, and blameless in his sight. Even when you doubt him, even when you have the great and abiding fears amongst us, even when you are looking at things and saying, I have no idea what's going on, we can say, like the kids said today, I am God's child. I am baptized into Christ. Your faith will waver. You will question God. You will be fearful tomorrow and the next day. You'll be looking around for all sorts of answers from the highest of heaven to the lowest of heaven. And unfortunately, many churches today have tried to gussy up all of this to try to make it something that seems glitzier and glamier than whatever else it is that we have simply here before us. Jesus spoke to you today the words of eternal life. I forgive you all your sins, all your doubts, all your fears, all your frustrations, all of your lack of faith. He says, cast it upon me, give it to me and rejoice because you are mine. I will never leave you or forsake you. And yes, whether you realize it or not, he will allow suffering to happen. That is probably one of the biggest things that got slapped across my face this past week with these texts. Naaman, a man of great power and might, wasn't guaranteed an easy life. He had leprosy. This other man had leprosy. And even somebody as powerful as the centurion had to suffer through a friend of his who was even a servant being sick and suffering. 
And I would dare say that over the last two years, God has maybe allowed all of this mess that we're going through to wake us up. Not to the profound, earth-shattering things that are going on, but to still remind us that his voice is still being proclaimed. His mercy and his grace is still being provided for you and me here at this place. People are still being baptized. Broken, repentant people are being forgiven of their sins. People are coming to the Lord's table in the presence of their enemies of sin, death, and the devil. And the good and gracious shepherd doesn't have a new thing to say, a new gimmick to portray to you. He simply says, take and eat. This is my body. This is my blood given and shed for you to forgive you of all of your sins and also to strengthen you in this faith. There's no guarantee. You're not going to walk out of here today and say, all my fears magically went away. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and say, all of my fears about my health are perfectly fine. You're not going to wake up next week, Lord willing, and say, there's nothing to be scared of. There's no suffering anymore because we went to church. Gloom and doom might be all around us. And as our opening hymn said, the grave is looking at you wide open, staring at you. But even with death, you will sleep sweetly in Christ who is risen from the dead. And even though you may have all of these questions and all of these fears and all of these doubts and uncertainties, make them have one common answer. Repeat after me. I am baptized into Christ. I am baptized into Christ. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.